Thanks for tuning into McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. You might hear us referring to a phone number to call as this podcast is taken from a live radio show. Instead of calling the phone number, you can get in touch with us on our website at McNamaraFinancial.com. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I hope everyone's having a lovely holiday season. I had a hard time getting a guest this holiday season weekend. So sitting here with my <laughs> father and business partner, Mike. The Mike, you got third or fourth choice here yeah. today or what? <laughs> well, he didn't put a whole lot of effort into finding a, a guest for this show. Hey, it's, it's like New Year's. Everyone's like taking the time off and stuff, which is great. You are my very last minute guest this morning. Mm-hmm. What did you have about 12 hours notice to join me on the show this morning? Piece of cake. And lucky me, he had an outline all prepared, topics to talk about. So we're all ready for you. So good morning and thank you to my father, Mike McNamara. You owe me one. I certainly do. (laughs) Uh, I guess when you're in Florida for this winter, I can owe you one. You can reciprocate. Have a Saturday morning off down there. Yeah. When the weather is crap up here and lovely down there, I'll volunteer to do the show for you once. All right, so we're talking about four risks this morning, and we're going to talk about, explain them all, risks to your portfolio, your investment strategy, and discuss which risks you're willing to take. I think that's how we're ending the show, right? Yep. So that was a little preview for the ending, but you are more well-prepared, given this was your outline originally, and I have to say, you are pretty excited this morning. I am. ready for the show. I'm so. so excited, I can't stand it, as a matter of fact. So if you okay. want to do a better introduction than that, go for it, and then let's dig into it. We're going to talk about the big four investment risks that investors face Mm -hmm. in the world. And we'll define them in a lot of detail as we get into it, but they are basically volatility. Your prices of your stocks and bonds go up or down, sometimes excitingly. Default, or OOB, as I like to say, out of business. If you own a company and it goes out of business, and if it's the only company in your portfolio, you're in big trouble. Volatility, the excitement of price movement. Okay, default, going out of business, ending their existence. And then, by the way, taxes and inflation. And I listed those in a certain order. The first two, which may sound scary to most people, are easy peasy ones to fix. Mm -hmm. The scary two are the last ones, taxes and inflation. And they're scary because nobody thinks about them and does the math. And nobody sits down and figures out the cumulative effects of taxes and inflation. By the way, the other two things I would say is that the first two, volatility and default, scary stuff in the stock market world, okay? But the second two, inflation and taxes, Okay, they're pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, you almost have no way to control or avoid. We have no control over any of them, but no way to avoid really taxes or anything. So if you you have stocks and the prices go up or down, I get that. Okay, Mm -hmm. and if you have a a whole bunch of stocks where one goes out of business, I get that. Okay, but 
that's not assumed. Okay, they're not guaranteed to go out of business and it's not guaranteed to go up or down, although they probably will. But the, the last two are the scary ones because they're guaranteed pretty much and mm. they're cumulative. And we'll do some kind of math to, to, and to illustrate that. So, yeah. so the first two, which are the most terrifying for most folks investing in, in, in the stock market and other places like that, okay, are the most scary. Honestly, they're probably like the easiest to take care of or to modify or protect yourself against. Okay, the last two will kill you if you're not careful about it and people don't keep score about that. So anyway, so volatility, okay, the official definition is the up and down movement of a price of a security. That's the investment definition. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's see. I I have a mutual fund is $10 a share. If it's a lot of stocks in there, could go higher, could go lower. So volatility is the up and down price movement of a security or a bunch of securities altogether. Okay. Volatility is not loss unless you make it so. If If your mutual funds go down 10%, and you sold it. Yep, you have a, you guaranteed yourself a loss. But if it goes down temporarily ten percent, and a month and a half later they're back up to zero or two percent, mm-hmm. then it was a temporary downward fluctuation in the value of your stocks. And I, I like to use that phrase quite a bit because if you don't sell and yeah. if things get back to, to better again, that's how it works. Anyway, volatility. If you want to get statistical, and it's really hard to do that on the radio, but it's pretty simple. Volatility, okay, is measured by a statistical thingy called standard deviation, okay? And standard deviation is like the percentages of time that something will happen, mm-hmm. okay? Okay, and we're going to do some math about the stock market as a whole right now, okay? And the standard deviation that we're going to use today is, what do we decide on, 16? 16? For a stock market portfolio, I yeah. believe, a diversified yeah. stock portfolio. Okay. Yeah. So if you have if you have a hundred percent stock portfolio, okay, as one of your investments, okay, we're going to use a standard deviation of 16 and actually explain what that means. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And by the way, the second assumption we're going to make is that you can on average over a long time earn 10%, okay, on a stock portfolio. Again, not counting taxes and not guaranteed. I have to say that. The G word. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll shoot the heck out of the the G word in a little while here, but that's okay. Anyway, so the deal is, okay, so that statistically speaking, we're not going to get into the details or the weeds here, but, okay, 16 as a standard deviation, okay, if you have a 10% average price, okay, mm-hmm. average return, yeah. yep, 68% of the time that return will be 10 plus or minus 16 Right. Okay. So there's a two-thirds chance at any given time that your return could actually be 10 plus 16 or 10 minus 16. Right. So negative 6 to positive 26. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So... That's the first standard deviation. Folks, these are statistical equations used in many areas. We're just using it in the stock area. Okay, so if you have a two standard deviation volatility in the stock market, okay, 90 90 plus percent of the time, okay, your return will be two times 16, 32 plus 10, 
42, yep. so as high as 42, yep. or 10% minus 2 times 16, minus 32, minus 22. If it, there's a 90-plus right. percent chance, okay, at any given time that your return in a, in a stock portfolio could be as high as 42%, or as low as minus 22%, okay? So those are two standard deviations, folks, okay? The third standard deviation, I think, is like 95%. By the way, there have been times when the U.S. stock market in the last 20 years has been down more than 50%, okay? Mm -hmm. But we're just going to do some actual dollar math, okay, around those things. I so, think it's 8% of the time it can be outside of, yeah. two, of two standard deviations. Yeah, okay. Right? So those so are the pretty odds. pretty rare yeah. that it would be outside of yeah. the... Yeah, so those are the yeah. odds, okay, of the volatility around an average of a 10... If you're shooting for a 10% return, guess what, folks? What comes with the deal is some up and down price movement. Yeah. Nobody ever complains about upward volatility. No. no, don't get any complaints about that. Let's see. If I have a one standard deviation return on 10, I'm not complaining about the plus, right. plus 26. <laughs> yeah. okay, if I have a one standard deviation minus 10 minus 16, I got a minus six. I'm complaining about that. Yeah. Guess what? You have to understand that for any given rate of return, that standard deviation comes with the deal and they change all the time. And we're just doing yeah. an example. Okay. So let, let's translate that to dollars because we're talking about percentages. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's use a hundred thousand dollar portfolio. Yeah. This is real world stuff. Folks, you might open up your statement next month and see these dollars. You're just never can tell. But let's see, $100,000, I got it in a broadly diversified stock portfolio. The standard deviation, okay, one standard deviation is 16%. Theoretically, you could open up your statement next month and you could be at $116,000, okay, or $84,000. Am I got that right so far? No. No. I think your math was wrong there. You're oh, talking about one standard one, deviation? Six, oh, so no. A 10%. Okay. So 10%. it would be 126000 on the high side. side 94000 on the low side. Right. It would be like two-thirds of the time Th you'd probably be in that range. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, All right. So, yeah. so two-thirds of the time, you could open up your statement, okay, and literally see a, a minus 16% return, folks. Minus 16, mi minus My, 10, uh, minus 6. One standard okay. deviation, minus yeah, 6. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you open up your portfolio and did the math and said I'm down 6%. Welcome to one standard deviation. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two standard deviations is 32. So let's see. If you open up your portfolio next month and the $100,000 you invested last month is at the second standard deviation negative, let's see, negative 32 from a positive 10 is a minus 20. Hmm. Your $100,000 last month could be $78,000 this month. And you're looking at saying, holy moly, I've lost $22,000. Yeah. You haven't lost anything until you sell it. Mm -hmm. But I'll guarantee you that if you did sell it, you actually did lose mm -hmm. $22,000. Okay. Okay. And some folks would call their investment advisor and say, hey, what's the deal here? Okay. And I would blame the investment advisor for not training those people with expectations mm -hmm. about what comes with a 10% return. Yeah. It's 
perfectly normal. Yeah. You don't have to like it, but it's perfectly normal. Right. It comes with it. It's the price that you pay to earn a certain rate of return, okay, it comes with a deal. Now, the the really scary part is people in their minds think, gosh, if I'm down $78,000 this month, it's going to keep on going. It's going to keep on going. It's going to keep on going. Right. Okay. When you start investing in stocks, you have to have some belief in some things in the world, okay? And I guess the short story is, over a very long time, if you look at the stock market, it had ups and downs. But over the long run, it's always gone higher. Let me say that. So you have to believe something if you own stocks and feel comfortable about it, okay? I don't want to use the word religion. I'll use the word belief system, but okay. it's the same thing. You got to, maybe if praying works for you, that's fine too with your stocks, folks, okay? But so the bottom line, okay, is, is it comes with a deal, okay? And the scary part is, is it going to get better? When is it going to stop, okay? Just a really brief sidetrack here. How do I know it's going to go back up? again. Okay. In the history that you can look back on in this country since literally 1900, folks, and you could go back further. If you saw a stock market chart, they all look the same. It has an up, then it has a down, but then the next up is higher than the last up, and the next down is higher than the low. It goes up and down, Mm -hmm. but it's always going up over the long run because every stock market high that we have so far has been beaten by the next stock market high, okay? And as long as that game keeps continuing, okay, you have the faith that minus return this month is going to sooner or later get over, okay? Did I say that okay so far? Yeah, Yeah. I I do think it's important to make the distinction between a broad market investment or a mutual fund, like a diversified stock investment and a stock. Go ahead. We're talking about every down market has been recovered from and the next high was higher than the last high and all that stuff and have faith in in the recovery of the market because that's what's happened all throughout history. And I think, and that's easy for us to say and to explain. And you can show a great about, chart about that. When you're talking about like the S&P 500s or, or, or even the Dow Jones or a mutual fund, right? Because it's a very diversified instrument of lots and lots of stocks, yep. basically. Yep. But I think it's, it, it, that's much more difficult if you have if you own stock of one company yeah. and it might be down 20 or 30 or 40 percent yeah. and I, I think it's harder to make the case that it's just gonna we're gonna have a recovery because we always have right because you don't know what other external factors are yeah. affecting that one company what competitors what other what other factors etc so I, I think just wanted to clarify that we're talking about a broad market or a, the yeah. stock market in yeah. general I, 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 our business, we don't purchase individual stocks or bonds for folks. We think you're much better off buying a whole bunches of them. And we, I don't want to get into the, that yeah. detail right now, but yeah. that's the story. Okay, well, one other thing: where do I where do I get the belief that it is going to go higher? How what's responsible for that happening? Mm-hmm. Okay, and again, this is I got to take a two minute detour here. Okay, folks, there's only one reason. The S&P 500 is the 500 biggest publicly traded companies in America. And it changes from time to time, but it's representative of the stock market. Okay. And it has always in my lifetime and in anybody else's, I'm pretty sure, gone higher and higher. And there's only one reason for that. Okay. The companies that you own over the long run have grown their earnings and profits. And if a company grows its earnings and profits, it's worth 
more. Mm-hmm. If you have a box that pays you $5, okay, whatever that box is worth is what it's worth. But in two or three years, if it pays you 10 I'm thinking that box is worth about most, double in price. Most people would on, think on, that, right? On, it's on, it's on speculation, average. too. Right, yeah, yeah, and yeah, folks, yeah. that's exactly right. how the stock market right. works over decades. Right. Not necessarily. There's right. only one thing, one thing only on the planet that drives the value of a company higher over time, and it's their ability to continue to make more and more money, okay? Yeah. And that's the deal. It's called... Or their perceived ability, I guess that, I would that, argue, that right? Is, People could correct. perceive that well, they would have that ability. Okay, and then, yeah. but, but if they yeah. do, they get paid for sure. it. Sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, folks, that's the bet. By the way, capitalism. Yeah. Okay, plain and yeah. simple. If they outlaw capitalism, we're in trouble with stocks. Okay, yeah. but if they let it run, okay, all the companies in the world, they have to make more money every quarter. They have to do this. They have to, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, and if they succeed at that, they become worth more, and there's a whole heck of a lot of you know, evidence that's been the case for a whole lot of companies okay. with the odds. So that's the, that's the belief system that you need, folks, and get used to the fact that we're talking about decades, okay, at minimum 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah. That you, that's the long game works, and that's the one we play. So, anyways, so the volatility thing, okay, it just comes with a deal. We have had a 50% downturn in the stock markets at least twice since 2000. And by the way, there may be periods of time, shorter ones, where it was down even more, but at least 50%. That is terrifying. Unless you're Warren Buffett with a big smile on his face saying, time to buy, things are cheap. Yeah. Okay, and the only reason you would do that is if you believe that they were going to get better. Okay, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, you got to have a belief system if you're doing this, folks. Okay, because sometimes that's all you got in yeah. the world. Believe me, we're financial advisors and we get just as miserable as everybody else, but we don't let it affect what we do. How you feel and what you do about your money, two different things, folks. Yeah. And, and we're talking about the doing part here. Okay. Standard so is super helpful in terms yeah. of explaining to people what, I don't know, what they're yeah. in for or yeah. what's normal yeah. because yeah. it's yeah. so common. The only question, the, the most common question that an investor would ask is how much do you think I can earn? Yeah. And we talk about average yeah. rates of return and expectations and targets and all that. <laughs> but how often are they like, okay, what's the range of returns? Yeah. What's the downside? <laughs> they don't, most people yeah. aren't ask, they don't know to yeah. ask those questions, but they also, the average investor is just thinking it's just going to go up. Yeah, it's no, just going to yeah, go up over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And sure, over time, but I think standard deviation is super helpful in terms of setting expectations it, for what's normal. It, it, it is, and, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and, what are, and what will you be comfortable yeah, with? Yeah. How would you feel if yeah. you saw down 22, right? Yeah, so let's just take this one step further from a practical point of view, okay? And, and again, we're making up these numbers. There, there are guesses, by the way, and we're in yeah. Or I guess just as much as anybody else. But okay, how about if you owned a 40% stock portfolio and a 60% bond portfolio? Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, and let's we'll make this up, but we're pretty comfortable. 40% of your money has a standard deviation of 16. Mm-hmm. And I think the U.S. bond market's standard deviation, not the last couple of years, but... Oh, long, sure. It's l- different l- now. Last couple it's of years. now, yeah. L- let's use a four. Are we okay with that? Yeah, yeah it's going to guess a four. All right, so wait a minute now. Let's think about this. If 40% of your money, quick, has 16, has a 16, <sighs> yep. okay, and 60% of your money has a four, what's that average out to? 6.4 plus, let's see, what did we say? About a seven? Could it be an eight? I didn't think I did that right. 
8.8. We use a 4. seven 4. sort of a thing. Yeah, so I think we use a, we use yeah. a seven on yeah. our 40, 60 oh, oh, yeah. portfolio. Okay, yeah. Yes. yeah, folks, we have a 40% stock, 60% bond strategy, or several of them. Okay, and we So the, a, the deviation on our bond portfolio must be lower. Yeah, it, it has historically it be been. But by the way, standard been, deviation yeah. can change. There were a few sure. years in the 90s when it was boring as heck because everybody was making 14% a year. Then there were some scary years yeah. for the next two or three. But anyway. And bonds have had super low volatility yeah. up until yeah. last year. So how do you control volatility? You can't control it, but you can mix it so that it, it, it goes yeah. down to a number. If your portfolio has a 16% standard deviation and it scares the heck out of you and you sell it, then you shouldn't have owned that to begin with. Yeah. What are you comfortable? Right. By the way, what do you need to earn? Do you really know that? And what are you comfortable with that return or not? But mm -hmm. let's face it, okay, if you had a portfolio with 40% stocks and 60% bonds, the standard deviation is seven. Seven's a lot less scary. Two standard de So by the way, in our 40-60, we think it, it's a four to 6% return, but mm -hmm. five. Right? So if you have a 7% standard deviation, two standard deviations would be 14. Right. 14 from a minus, it was a minus nine. Minus nine. Okay, so if the stock- too. Yeah, if yeah. the stock market crashes and burns, you're down seven or eight, okay, or nine versus 16 or 17 or 18. Yeah. Okay, if that allows you the comfort of staying the course, okay, that's the trick. You got to live with your standard deviation. Are you going to shoot yourself in the ever 11 foot yeah. and never get that back? Yeah. Given the I, so I was just thinking like the, within two, two standard deviations on the downside between yeah. those two portfolios, yeah. a conservative one and an all stock one. Yep. The difference between down nine and down 22 isn't all that much. <laughs> it's not all that much. Well, but if you're looking at a million dollars, down 22 is 220,000 bucks. Okay. Versus down yeah. 90, 900,000. Yeah. 90, sorry, 90,000. That, that, that's correct. Yeah, it's okay. not, I don't think it's a very big difference. Yeah, but I think yeah. the scariest part for an all stock portfolio yeah. is when you're outside of that two standard deviation. Yeah. So yeah. 8% of the time, yeah. you could be down 50%. Or yeah. what was the worst it ever was? Down 53% yeah. or something we, like that in the stock uh, portfolio? Tim, We've Tim's got one. Make us leave now. He just waved. Oh, okay. I, I thought I had more time. Son of a gun. Okay, we'll be right back. That was folks. a brilliant thought, and I got cut <laughs> off. I'll continue that afterwards. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my father and business partner, mentor, Michael McNamara. We will be right back. Just taking a quick break. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial, securing your financial future one step at a time. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy holidays, everyone. Joined this morning by my father and business partner, Michael McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining me at the very last minute. No worries. I haven't yet done a solo show. I suppose that's in probably in my near yeah. future. But By the way, I think we should handcuff Tim so he can't shut us off for commercials. Uh, the show. Uh, hey. okay. I think we're the ones that put the I commercials he... on, right? They're all for our yeah, own business. I'm following the vlog here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think we want the commercials. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, fun. yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry. I about think that. we actually like pay for those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Package deal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're talking about risks t- that you take as an investor, but spending quite a bit of time on volatility and having a lot of fun with it in a and, perverse sort of way. Yeah. Right? Oh, we forgot the champagne this morning. Remember, uh, we were going to bring champagne to and, the studio and, we and gonna, have mimosas. Going to drink on the air. Yeah. yeah. yeah that didn't. I work. said next year. Okay. I said that might be our best show yet. Tim, can you We've do? We've never a, done that. Can you do a packy run for us, Kim? No. No, I, I'm, I can't. I'm sorry. I, That's please. an old school term. Okay. Yes. All right. Anyway. So, anyway. Yeah. So we were talking about volatility, volatility yep. which is the level of excitement that you get when you have your portfolio, and they vary. Okay. Yep. A- and it comes with the deal. And I think the moral of the story is how much you want to earn, how much you need to earn, and how much you can deal with the excitement earning it. You all have to wrap those things together in your life plan. Yeah. Okay. But volatility comes with the deal. You can somewhat control it by combining stocks and bonds and cash in your portfolio to acceptable levels. But when you do that, you have to have an acceptable return that comes with that. Okay, yeah. So. I was also just thinking you can control... <laughs> This is a crazy thought, but but you'll like it. You can control volatility or the perceived volatility of your investment by not looking very often. There there you go. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Those investors that are logging on every day, every week, a couple times a week to check the value of their investments, they're of course seeing volatility because it will move every single business day. But those investors that are looking twice a year, once a year, twice a year, not paying much attention, great investors, by the way, they're not seeing the same volatility. Volatility. Yep. It, I guess it just depends on when they open up their statement. And some investors are smart enough to know that when the news is bad, to not even open the statement. Yep. And so I think you can control it in that way. If you think about your piece of real estate as an investment, yeah. people don't think real estate <laughs> is volatile at all. But it is. It's just because it's not valued every single day. Yeah, How often are you valuing your house? Once every five or ten years? Yep. Like yep. an actual valuation, not just like a Zillow. Yep. So you can somewhat control that. and yeah. But it's hard. It's difficult to do. I, I've always said... Said getting a monthly statement every month is a stupid thing because the government requires it, but investors are now looking at a yeah. shorter-term volatility and making them crazy, but that's another story. All right, so some, some macroeconomic points before we skip on to the next points. So volatility, as a rehash, is the up-and-down movement of the price of your return within a certain range. And there are some statistical, historical numbers that come with that, but the bottom line is, Okay, if you're going to average a 10% return in your portfolio, okay, that could mean that you could be up 40 or down 40 in any particular period of time. It you can't control that if you've accept you have to accept it and deal with it is the best way to do that. Okay, and the thing that is most important from an investor's point of view is yeah, you want to earn a certain rate of return or you need to. You should know that if you had a financial plan, but there's a certain amount of volatility that comes with that return. Can you live with it? Okay. And if you can't, then there's some f- future discussions. Okay. So, so f- f- funny story. This is a true story that happened about f- four or five months ago. I have some friends. I have a lot of clients who are friends. Okay. And I, I'm going to make up the numbers, but they're pretty close. So, so, uh, okay, you're listening to me right now. Your portfolio is $5 million, okay? It's invested in about 60% stocks and about 40% bonds, okay? And by the way, last year in 20... When we report returns at McNamara Financial, it's down to the decimal with every ounce of statistics that you could possibly look at because we think it's important for people to understand things, okay? Okay, there was easily... A period of time when I was meeting clients in 2022, 
you as well, mm-hmm. with their 60 portfolio, 60 40 portfolios down 14% in value. Okay, so folks, so imagine this. You wake oh. up January 1st, your portfolio is worth $5 million. Okay, you're sitting in your financial advisor's office in September of that year, okay, and your $5 million is $4,300,000. Mm. Okay, by the way, okay, that's down $700,000, mm-hmm. okay, yep. Or, or a mere 14%. I mm-hmm. guess it depends on how you want to look at it, okay? Sometimes it's better to look at percentages than dollars. Sometimes it's more exciting to look at dollars. You know, if you're up $700,000... You want to look at the dollars? You want to look at the dollars. <laughs> if yeah. you're down $700,000, you want to yeah. look at the percentages. Totally. I'm, I'm very, it's the same thing. Yeah. But the dollars scare the hell out of you. That's just how it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. And so anyway, so I'm sitting... I had a discussion with some people with numbers very close to this, and they've been clients for a long time, and we've had a few similar discussions. And so I said, after I clearly pointed out that they were temporarily down, Seven hundred thousand dollars in value, which I was quite accurate about looking yeah. backwards. Okay, <laughs> okay. I said, when you're in high school, what was your highest paying job? And for most of my, it's like a dollar and a half an hour or something like that. So I said, so did you ever think when you're in high school that fifty or sixty or seventy years later you'd be sitting in a room and your financial advisor is telling you you're down seven hundred thousand dollars? That's the bad news. Yeah. The good news is you got four million three hundred thousand left. <laughs> what do you think about that? How, how does that feel given the circumstances? But anyway, yeah. volatility is the scariest thing. Okay, but it comes with the deal and you can control it to certain parameters, but it affects your return and that's just how it is, folks. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Enjoy by the way, nobody ever complains about upward volatility. Okay. Nope. And over periods of time it gets easier to do that. If whether you work with an advisor or yourself, okay, if you've been through a couple of downtimes and they've gone back up again and gotten better, which has been the history of this country, it gets a little easier to deal with that excitement. And mm-hmm. you, s- someday you'll have this, but I sit down in meetings with people I've known for 20 or 25 or 30 years, and we talk four minutes about their investments and the rest of the time about kids' life and family because they've seen this rodeo before, yeah. okay? And it gets a little less scary every time you go through it, folks, but comes with the deal. Yep. By the way, you have to accept it you can control it within reason, okay, and that's a good thing. Okay, so risk number two, okay, I'll call it a default risk, but that's not as good as saying out of business, all right? Okay. Folks, you own one stock, it goes to zero, they go out of business and default and you lose all your money, okay? The catastrophic risk of owning a company is it goes to zero, because it's done. Right. P- end of story, period. Or it could go down quite significantly and never recover, yeah, yeah, right? Like exactly. I would categorize that in a very similar way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, you did you have some statistics about uh, bankruptcies? Or, yeah. Or, okay. Okay, so yep. w- was it like, we can remember, was it like 6 million publicly traded companies? So, this no, it no. was, okay. I was trying to find how many businesses there are in the United States. Businesses. Which, first of all, was a crazy statistic yeah. at about 33 million. Okay, public and private, probably. Public and private. Of yeah, course, yeah. Okay. But 27 million of those are just like a sole proprietor, like All one right. person so business. So there's about 6 million Com- what we call employer, employer. businesses okay. in the U.S., and which is, there's of- at least one other employee so besides the owner. 6 million, and most of those are. <laughs> 
private Most companies. of those are private right, so companies. So six billion is the number. By the way, we can't break this out much further than that, so bear, bear with us, okay? So six billion publicly and privately traded companies in the country, and, and what do we got? By the way, these are defaults, which mean bankruptcies, okay, which you can climb out of, but it's not as good as going out of business. But yeah. anyway, so and what I do you got? I think there's about 4,000 publicly traded companies in the U.S. Okay. A little north of 4,000, okay. I believe. All right. So what are the... So the, the vast majority are not sure. publicly traded. All right. So what are the statistics of 6 million companies? How many, what do we have, bankruptcy statistics? Yeah, there were some crazy bankruptcy statistics. So okay. this is public and private. All right, let's do it together. Yeah. In the year, this was published in October of yeah. this year. Yeah. So bankruptcy filings through October 26th of this year for 2023, yeah. 17,000 businesses, ooh, roughly, ooh, okay. declared bankruptcy. By 6 million, out of 6 million. Out of 6 million. Hang on. Three percent, uh, three tenths of a percent. Three tenths of a percent. Okay. So, by the way, so again, folks, we can't get the exact. N- there were some statistics about publicly traded company bankruptcies. Okay. So again, if there was like four thousand or forty yeah. one hundred yeah. publicly what, com- traded what, companies, what was that? There was one article that it was something like um, in the range of twenty to f- twenty five to forty right, so per let's use year. F- forty out of four thousand. Like percent. Basically. Uh, sorry, yeah, like a tenth of a percent. Yeah, t- yeah. a tenth of a percent. Okay. So, folks, yeah. first of all, when people think about a company defaulting okay th- those are the statistics yeah and by the way that's usually in a, a debt default or a bankruptcy filing mm-hmm. and some of those come back but let's forget about that okay so th- there's it's a low risk yeah, of the company the, completely the, defaulting the, the do- that, that's correct but okay. i think uh, well the bigger risk which i don't have the statistics yeah. on are like how many companies lose you know, 80, 90, 95% of their value. And and they're still in business, but but you never recover your investment. I think that's a significant risk. Individual company volatility statistics. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I was trying to find. That's what would be super interesting. It's got to be like 40%, right? Because there is, of course, crazy, can be crazy upside in individual stocks. But unlimited, literally unlimited downside. All right. So uh, we apologize for fuzzy statistics, but maybe they're hiding something. Anyway, (laughs) but so let's put it this way. The chances of a public or a private company defaulting are significantly less than 1%. Let's just start that for numbers. And by the way, some of them come back, but forget about that. We'll be conservative, okay? Yeah. So national default rate, 1%. If you have one company at defaults, that's a pretty big risk. Okay? Right, right. Okay, so, so how, do, how do you deal with the catastrophic, I'm talking end of the world, scenario here. How do you deal with that? I okay. have one other one other article okay. that was pretty interesting, and it was published in 2022. Yeah. And it was about the 25 worst stocks in uh-huh. terms of shareholder wealth losses. Okay. So not necessarily defaults, yeah. but downturns. So yeah. wealth loss in, in terms of the billions well, and trillions. That, that sounds better than volatility. But yeah. Wealth loss. Wealth okay. loss. <laughs> so this is between 1926 and 2022. Yeah. yeah. The bottom 25 companies have lost shareholders a collective 1.2 trillion dollars and so they go and then and they go through some of the some of the company names and things like that but here's it interesting among publicly listed u.s companies the 25 worst stocks have lost shareholders a collective 1.2 trillion since 1926 put another way just 0.1 percent of all stocks have led to 14 percent of all cumulative losses in shareholder wealth and the statistic is about the same the other way right think about the S&P 500 this year, 
yeah. what is it, seven or eight companies, seven companies. that have crazy upside and yeah. everything else is like flat. Yeah. And so it, it goes both ways. We'll be right? reading the, about those seven in about 10, 15 yeah. years, by the way. Okay. <laughs> the AI powered stuff. Yeah. 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 So, so the point, okay, is that, okay, if you own companies, okay, if you own a company, there's a default risk of that company. Yeah, it's 1% across a whole in a whole world. Who knows what it is in the, in the tech industry? It's probably a bit higher. You right. know, in in yeah. the artificial intelligence industry, it's probably yeah. a bit higher. In the utilities industry, it's probably a bit lower. Yeah, yeah. But my, my point is that if you own an individual company, by the way, yeah. I think I've said this before, I'm 75 years old. I've been in the financial business for 42 years. I have never owned an individual stock. Yeah. There, I've said it. I feel better now. <laughs> and folks, I'm doing okay personally. I've owned two I, and they were both crap. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, so, you should have said that. Okay. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> I know, folks. Don't, don't, I, I, I'm doing okay, and I don't feel badly not owning individual stocks. Owning stocks okay. is fun until it's not. Yeah, that, that is I correct. People that have lost in, in, in fact, stock. Yeah. I think. Let's see. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. But bottom line is, uh, we don't think it's worth the risk, however small you think it is, to own individual companies. Okay. And by the way, there are probably some tech veterans out there, okay, who got very wealthy owning sure. individual companies. Yeah. And there are probably a lot more that got very poor yeah. owning individual companies, okay? Uh, and even though I don't know what the risk is of a tech company defaulting, but by the way, in 2001, two and three, uh, it was high. mighty high, okay? W why bother given the circumstances, okay? So, you know, it's, you don't have to write this down, yeah, folks. It's... You don't have to write it down, but the way that you protect yourself against out of business, never mind default bank, going out of business, why don't you just own a bunch of companies and call it a day? It's like oh, why people oh, buy lottery tickets. Yeah. It's like, the, it's, it just, it's the excitement. It's what, but what if? It's yeah. the what if. Greed and yeah. fear is what yeah. you're talking about. It can about. be fun for yeah. people too. It yeah. can be personally satisfying sure. and sure. fun. And, oh, yep. look at what I did. And yeah. Yeah. The, the, by the yeah. way, the flip side of that, Warren Buffett, one of my heroes on the planet, okay, he says diversification is death to somebody who wants to make a lot of money. Uh, and, yeah. and think about it. If, yeah. you, if you buy two or three companies and you're right, Okay, and, and of course, the percentage well. yeah. of people who have done that, they're probably four. No, they're pretty, it's a pretty small percentage of institutions or people. And if they did do it, they wouldn't tell you about it anyway. Depends on the period yeah, of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay, so yeah. my, my point, folks, is that the vast majority of folks listening to us, as far as we're concerned, unless you're working for a particular company that you feel good about and you want to own some of that stock, we think you should buy multiple stocks in your portfolio, okay, to protect against the worst risk you can possibly have yeah. going out of business, okay? I, I have several personal <clears throat> experiences with clients who I will not relate, but I have seen people lose millions of dollars and go to zero in my lifetime, yeah. okay, thing. And that kind of sticks with you. Yeah. When when you I mean, by the way, not my recommendations about what happens to things. So, <clears throat> it's interesting that like when you're like a diversified investor, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's easier to be a, what's the word? It's investing is a long-term experience, right? 
trading. And it should and be boring. It, yeah. And it's, but like in the world of owning individual <laughs> stocks, right? How many stocks have done really well for a really long period of time? Mm. Not that many. To be successful in, in the world of individual stocks, yeah. there's often like short periods of time yep. that you yep. have to take advantage of yeah. and time it right. Yeah. And we all know how hard it is to time markets and investments. And so you have to be right over short periods of time. And that can be very difficult. The, the, the and when you of, see an up yeah. 100%, yeah. you're not going to want to sell your stock because you yeah. think it's just going to repeat. And it doesn't always. Yeah. And the, the odds of being does. a successful yeah. short-term investor are way lower than the odds right. of being a long-term successful But I feel like investor. you have to be if you're an individual okay. stock investor. You yeah. have to be you yeah. have to be smarter over yeah. a shorter period of time. Yeah, and good luck with that. You have I, sh- to, I shouldn't you, say smarter. You <laughs> have to know luckier? the future. You have yeah. to know the, no, you have to yeah, know the yeah. future. Yeah. You have no, to know the future if you do that. Okay, so our philosophy, we like to hit singles and doubles, folks, and avoid home runs and strikeouts is maybe the best way to say that. Okay, but greed and fear, the excitement of earning a whole bunch of money, yeah, that's the, the greed part. part. Yeah. Yeah. The fear part is getting rear end handed to you as a result of something like that. Most people can't afford that downside risk. Oh, so you want to own a 100% stock portfolio for the rest of your life? I'm okay with that. But can if your $5 million portfolio is $2 million, five, okay, how are you feeling about that? Are you going to do anything about that? Do you have the wherewithal to weather waiting for that to get better sort of a thing? So basically, folks, our philosophy is pretty easy. The way that you beat the catastrophic risk of owning a company is to own a boatload of them, mm-hmm. given the circumstances. I'm pretty sure, and I'll have to check with Justin on this, but we have portfolios that are not much different than anybody else's. It's a question of training your folks to do what's necessary. A- anybody who has a portfolio with us that has any percentage of stocks, there's, what, four or 5,000 companies that they would own in that portfolio. So the trick, folks, is own multiple companies Oh, but I won't get really rich because I could have owned Apple when I was a kid. If you owned Apple when you were a kid, good for you. But that's a very small percentage of the population we're reading about, okay? Mm-hmm. okay m- most folks out there should absolutely own bunches of companies to protect yourself against the downsides. So I, I said at the beginning of the show, like a four risks, volatility, out of business, inflation, taxes. Looks like we'll get to that in another show here. <laughs> but basically, the volatility and the out of business... One of those you can control to a degree, and then you have to have faith. And the second of those, you can almost make go to zero, unless we have World War Three or the Stone Age yeah. so, sort of a thing. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we're talking about mutual funds and or exchange-traded funds. We're talking about not being greedy and accepting a market return as opposed to a better than a market return. If your goal is to beat the stock market, good luck with that. Okay, but if that's your goal, you also have a pretty good chance of underperforming the stock market. Okay, the stock market return for a long time, depending on how you measure that time frame, has been pretty favorable for for much of history. All you got to do to get on that train is buy the stock market and wait for it to be okay sooner or later. That might be 5, 10, 15, 15 years, who knows, given the circumstances. Default, easy peasy, piece of cake, no worries, okay? Oh, what's the yeah. downside? You're never going to make a killing. I got a neighbor who owns Apple. I got a neighbor who's invested in AI stocks. Good luck with that. I hope God bless him, but nobody knows the future. Future, can you deal with the downside? Can you stay buckled up? Does it affect your life? How are you doing, given those circumstances? And the short story is, most people don't fit mode. Yeah. Plan and simple. Yeah. Okay. I think a perfectly sound strategy is people do 
they are attracted to the potential upside of an individual stock, yeah. right? Yeah. The, right now, the yeah. Apples and the yeah. Metas of the world yeah. and all that. And yeah. that everyone has, a, like you said, a friend that did this, that, and the other thing or a personal experience. And that, I, I do think people enjoy that <laughs> satisfaction. But if they're doing it with a small percentage of their net worth, yeah. that basically how much can you afford to lose? Yeah. If you're wrong, yeah. then they can potentially still achieve some satisfaction by, by investing in individual stocks. But I, So I think you can have a balance. Put 80, put 90% of your money in something very diversified and prudent and long-term strategy and play around with only how much you can afford to lose. Yeah. Because the risk is very great with an individual stock. For which most people, it's very little. So let's talk about 2023 as as an interesting year anyway. Okay. In 2023... The stock market, we haven't even got the number yet. What's that, 18 or 19%? I thought year? it was closer to 20, 20 or, okay. or more this right. year so far. <clears throat> okay, and so the stock market had a great year this year after a miserable year, by the way, in 2022. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there, of the five, and by the way, the Standard & Poor's 500 is basically a proxy or is the U.S. stock market for all practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Okay, of the 500 companies and of the 20% return, whatever the number was this year, that's right, it's over. The year's over, so I guess we could get a return. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to pull yeah. one up, yeah. Okay, anyway, whatever it is, it, that return, okay, about 80% or 90% of that return was brought to you by seven companies. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. So you got, okay, so if you were smart enough to own those seven companies, you had a rocket year, okay? How many people in America just owned those seven companies 10 years ago or five years ago? No, not this year. When they were pricey. When they were ugly or they didn't know about right, anything. Right. No, no, nobody or, or very few people. So my point is that that means that there were 493 companies that didn't do so well last year. Thank you, diversification. Nice that we had those seven. By the way, there have been history periods of time where a few companies have led the markets. Yeah. Then they cr- either crashed and burned or the rest of the, or they slowed down and the rest of the market caught up. And it, it goes to the diversification thing uh, in, in your portfolio, okay? And it goes to being able to put your greed aside to accept the fact that you're covering your rear end as best you can in terms of downside excitement in your portfolio. It's a hard thing for people to do, be able to do that, but that's basically where it sits. Yeah. Okay? So what do you do? Okay. Yeah, perfect. We can finish up in the next minute. So so let's see. Okay. The, the moral of the story here is that you have a diversified portfolio of different kinds of stocks or bonds. Okay. <clears throat> Mixed up. There are Small stocks, medium stocks, large stocks, international stocks. There are different flavors of stocks and there are different flavors of bonds. I don't want to get too technical here. But if you have a portfolio with four or five different flavors of stocks as percentages and two or three different flavors of bonds, you probably covered the bases. And you and if you were buying, if you were buying the whole markets or even in mutual funds, either way, you're better off than doing this yourself and, and getting carried away okay, one way or another. You have a diversified portfolio of those stocks. And why don't you take a moment about rebalancing and explain that because that's a secret. Before I get there, Before Mar- get there. S&P 500 2023 return looks like about 26%. 26%. Following an 18% downturn last year. Yeah, there you go. Down 18, up 26. Down 18, up 26 must be a full recovery. Yeah. Because you have to be up more than you're down in order to have a full recovery. Mathematics of subtraction. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that probably... But had, yeah, d- hit S&P a, hit, a, hit a new high, right? Hit a new high. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but just remember, there were only seven companies 
that brought that re- most of that return Seven to you. Seven or eight, I think, yeah, right? right? Okay, yeah, and so if you got an individual year. stock portfolio and you didn't own any of those, yeah, it is what it is. You now. probably didn't earn a whole lot this year because yeah. I think a lot of them were very yeah. pretty flat. Yeah, and by the way, seven. Pr- probably what happens is those seven companies flatten out a little bit because you can't grow forever. And probably what happens is those other 500 start to get going over. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. That's yeah. what's happened in the past. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so the secret is you can control your volatility by mixing the percentage of stocks and bonds. Okay. And with that level of volatility comes a return that's whatever it is, talk to your financial advisor about what that might be. If that return fits your needs and that volatility is stomachable, is that a word? No. I'm not sure. I okay, think so. Tolerable would be a better word. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. If you can deal with it, then fine. Yeah. Okay. And, and the way that you deal with that is to have a diversified portfolio of those things. Buy a little bit of everything, buy a lot of everything, and, and be pretty happy with what are pretty much stock and bond market returns, okay, for the rest of your life. Okay. Getting whatever, whatever they're going to be is whatever they're going to be, but you'll get your share if you have a portfolio like that. Okay. So listen, we haven't talked about the two really scary risks, okay, the two... <laughs> we'll leave our hanging frightening. for two this, okay, weeks. Yeah, th- these were the easy-peasy ones, folks. Okay. <laughs> the frightening risks are taxes and inflation. They're guaranteed pretty much to happen. Yeah. Okay, nobody pays attention to them. You don't look at your inflation index every month, like your stock statement. That's what you should do. You should look at your stock statement, your tax bill, okay, and your inflation bill. every month, okay, and then people get to learn. But the two scariest Okay, investor risks are inflation and taxes, and we're going to jump all over those in a couple of weeks. Haha, you have to. I do me. think it's great. We, okay. uh, on our performance report, we do have a benchmark for yes. inflation. That yes, is a we fantastic y- yes, number to is. have on there to yes, put your is. return in perspective. Okay, so yeah. volatility and default, easy peasy. Scary stuff. Okay, taxes and inflation coming up. Two weeks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my father, Michael McNamara, this morning. Hope everyone has a lovely holiday season and a very happy and safe new year. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.